1: I think success is waking up every morning doing something you love doing. Uh, if you got food in your belly, you got a roof on your head, and you're literally doing something you think is worthwhile, that's success. Sure. Hands down, because uh, there's plenty of people making six figures, driving fancy cars in houses that they don't have enough family for, that are miserable, right. that are slaves to their jobs, that wake up every day want- wanting to do something, but not willing to take a chance to do it. They play it safe don't get me wrong sometimes playing it safe gets you the mansion it gets you the bmw it gets you the lake house with a jet ski but i wake up every morning i don't have any of that shit but i wake up every morning and i guarantee you that i'm happier than a lot of those folks are
2: this is the defining audacity radio show where we inspire people to live a bold adventurous and intentional life using life lists or bucket list to accomplish that goal
3: here is your host Drew Myers, Thank you for tuning into this podcast of the Defining Audacity radio show. If this is your first time listening to the Defining Audacity radio show, here is a million mile overview of our mission. We inspire people to live on purpose. We want people to put their goals, dreams, and aspirations in the spotlight. We want people to stop saying, I'll just do it tomorrow and start living a bold, adventurous, and intentional life. How do we do this? We use lifeless or bucket list to get people's butts in gear. Life is short, and we get one shot at this thing. We need to start acting accordingly. We're going to get things started with a kickoff song from a singer-songwriter who is a member of the Defining Audacity family. Almost every week, we have a featured artist on the show. If you would like to hear any of our past episodes or specific interviews, you can download those podcasts from wherever you get your podcasts from. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker. I also encourage you to follow us on social media, Facebook and Instagram specifically, and go to our website at definingaudacityradioshow.com for all the information about the Live on Purpose initiative and the Defining Audacity brand. Our show currently runs on four stations across the region. You can get all the dates, show times, and future guests on our Facebook page, Let's Ride. We're going to get things started with a song from American Aquarium, and then we're going to jump right into our conversation with BJ Barham, the frontman for American Aquarium this interview is legit it was part of our two-year anniversary show it did not disappoint bj barham is a badass i appreciate you tuning into this podcast of the defining audacity radio show here's losing side of 25 from american aquarium
2: in my The losing side of 25 Mom and Dad did the best they could To raise me the right way And I leaned more to the wrong And I started writing songs And thinking I had something to say City jobs that they chose. My parents ask me how I'm doing. I hang my head and close my eyes. They say, Don't throw your life away. Go and get a job that pays. We love you and we know that you tried the lose inside of 25. Songs and some boys that I call friends, and a pretty girl that I can call my own. Yeah, I might never be a millionaire. That's all right by me. Cause I've done the things I wanted to, and said the things I needed to, and seen the things I wanted to see. When they all I just smile and realize There are different roads to happiness I took a different path, I guess Came out on the other side just fine The losing side of 25 Yeah, there are different roads to happiness I took a different path, I guess Came out on the other side just fine The losing side
3: of 25. Joining me now on the two year anniversary show of the Defining Audacity Radio Show, we're in Stephenville, Texas, with the front man for American Aquarium, Mr. BJ Barham. BJ, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. How about yourself? Doing fantastic. I'm so excited about this because. A, it's my two-year anniversary show, and it was very important to me to get two people on the show that are living on purpose. You and Miss Natalie Riggs, the wife of Sam Riggs, who I told you before we started recording this interview, she's a badass, and you're a badass, man. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> she, she's, she's extremely talented. It's, it's fun to watch her stuff, her pictures and her video and stuff. It's always great.
3: Oh, I love seeing your stuff, and I've been keeping up with you pretty closely over probably the last year about all the things that you've done, and I'm excited to get to know you. Um, to find out about goals, dreams, and aspirations that you have, talk about what you guys have going on with american aquarium because it's a it 's a, a new chapter for american aquarium right now
1: heck yeah it's uh it's it 's exci- it's exciting you know it's uh it 's scary it's you know i 'm anxious but it 's also uh it takes me back to the younger days of when I started the band it 's like the excitement of like just not knowing what 's coming next and and kind of just dealing with it when it gets there and, <laughs> right and kind of always walking that line between really really great and just falling apart you know (laughs) that's kind of the story of my life is is kind of walking that tightrope and just enjoying it
3: well let's start there tell me the story of your life just give me the cliff notes version of the bj story.
1: cliff notes uh grew up in a small town reedsville north carolina uh it's a tiny little tobacco farming town right in the middle of the state of north carolina uh my dad sold auto parts my mom uh, was like a marketer, worked for like a computer firm. Raised pretty blue collar. My dad's whole side of the family were farmers. Uh, my mom's whole side of the family were farmers. So it was pretty uh, simple upbringing. Uh, we were poor, but we never felt poor. We didn't know what poor was, you know. I uh, just had parents that worked 40 hour week jobs and right. t- did the best to make sure that we had a better life than they did. You know, I guess every parent's goal. Turned 18, I uh, went to college. I went to North Carolina State University. I had every goal to be a lawyer—that was what I was going to school for. Hmm, really? Um, yeah, uh, I did. I—I I, I was really good at taking standardized tests in high school, so I got into a bunch of schools, and uh, law seemed to be the thing for me. So I went to school. I was a double major in political science and history.
3: Were you playing music
1: yet? Not playing music yet. Oh, wow, okay. Um, I was—I was—I was, I was really focused on on the books in high school, and so when I got to college, I realized that live music was a thing. I was raised in a small town. We didn't have bars. We didn't have venues. Right. So I thought you either played on your back porch for fun, or you were Tim McGraw. Like I didn't know there was like a in between, an in between, like this purgatory of <laughs> of uh, between, what, you know. Uh, and so when I went to when I moved to Raleigh and started going to school, I started realizing there was these local bars that would hire people to play music, original music, and pay you a hundred bucks in a bar tab. And so I was like, "Hell, that that looks fun. I I could I could probably write, do that." So I taught myself how to play guitar when I was in college, um, and then songs just started coming. Uh, and I, twelve years later, here I'm, I'm standing right here doing the same shit. Uh, <laughs> college wasn't for me after that point. You know, when when I found music, it was it was the first time I found something in my life I was passionate about. It was the first time I found something in my life that like every single morning I wanted to get out of bed and try to be better at it. I'd never had that experience in my life. I'd done a lot of cool stuff, but I'd never been like found my calling. What was the thing that hooked you? Getting up on stage in front of people. Performing. And performing and and singing songs and writing songs and, and seeing how the things that I made up in my the privacy of my bedroom affected other people's lives. Right. That's a cool thing. And so I just wanted to get better at that, better at that, better at that. And, uh, you know, eventually the gigs turned from playing in front of my roommates at a bar to like they brought some friends out and, some other people heard that I was writing songs and they weren't terrible and they came to a show. And so I put a band together and we started playing my songs. And very early on we, we, we made a strict rule, no covers. I wanted to do all original music. And it was a lot harder because uh, cover bands get paid pretty good. Right. So uh, if I'd have decided to do that, uh, I might have got a good paycheck for a couple of years, but I wouldn't have, wouldn't have fell in love with it like I do now. So we just kept playing in front of nobody, and nobody turned into five people, five people turned into 10, 10 to 20, 20 to 40. We started selling out little rooms, and then we got the idea like let's try to go to like a couple towns over and see if they'll come listen to us play, and eventually it was like we started going to a couple states over, and then we started booking regional tours, and then national tours, and then we did our first European tour, and we started realizing that our songs were translating in a lot of different places other than North Carolina. Right um and so to kind of fill in the rest of the gap of my life story the last 12 years has been the same thing it's wake up in the morning get in the van <laughs> drive to a new city and play shows for people that give a shit about independent music you love it i love it still to this still? day good i've had band members come and go that they got tired of the hustle and bustle. i don't think anybody ever got tired of, of music or playing the shows i think most folks get tired of of what what it takes to get to the shows you know, everybody thinks that our life is pretty pretty easy because all you get to see is the 90 minutes of the night that we work so hard for. Right. That's the easy part is getting on stage and doing what we love doing. The hard part is the rest of the day, which is the hurry up and the wait. You know, it's the five-hour drive to a new city, check into the hotel, sit for a couple hours, go to the bar, sound check, sit for a couple hours, go get dinner, come back, sit for a couple hours, watch the opener. And then you get to that 90 minutes that it, it makes it all worthwhile. And then you go back, you get five or six hours of sleep, you wake up and you do it again. And uh, some days are good. Some day, Like last night we were in Lubbock, Texas, sold-out show at the Blue Light. That was one of the good days. That was one of the days where I woke up in Austin, I drove six hours out to West Texas. I played a show for a sold-out crowd of people that knew every word to every song. That's about as good as it gets. Right? There's some days where you wake up, like drive that. six hours somewhere, and there's a bartender and a sound guy and about five people. Um, so it's it's just about learning how to try to stay positive through that negative. Like anytime there's a bad show, you think back to your last one. Sure. And that's what pushes you
3: to the next one. Is it not too high, not too low type of deal? You can't get too high, can't get too low?
1: Man, there's no such thing as me getting too high on, on music. Uh, I have played in front of 7,000 people that knew the words to my songs. Hell yeah. And... It just makes me wonder what playing in front of eight thousand people might feel like. Uh, you want
3: some more of that? But I like also,
1: that. if I get up in front of ten people, I treat them like they're that five thousand person crowd. I try to give them the same exact show as I give the big crowds because I don't know who in that crowd could be changed that night. I don't know who in that crowd maybe came to see us on a whim, and I got to win them over. That's that's what's going through my head is is me and this band never caught a lucky break. We did it the hard way. We started playing in two thousand five and we started playing bars every single night in different cities and our only goal was if there's seven people there tonight next time we come back to this town we want there to be 10 or 15 or 20 and we still do that every time we go back to a town we hope it gets better we hope it gets bigger we hope more people care about what we do you know that's kind of what keeps me in it is it's just wondering how big it can get and, sure. and so far our fans have proved me wrong every single time when i think it couldn't get any bigger Or when I hit a wall artistically or creatively, they pick me right back up. They prove that like, oh wait, this could get cooler, (laughs) Um, and that's what keeps me going every day. Is knowing there's people out there that depend on my songs. As cheesy as that sounds, no, there's folks out there that like have told me about. Man, I was at my end, and this song I heard of yours changed everything. Or I had a problem with drinking, and I heard about your story about sobriety, and I got sober too. And now, you know things got better. Yeah, that's the greatest thing I can ever hear is something I made up in the privacy of my bedroom that's extremely personal to my life totally altered someone else's life. That's not why I wrote the song. So hearing about how this very specific moment in my life that I wrote about changed somebody else's life 2,000 miles away is it's pretty amazing. It's, it's pretty gotta be, incredible.
3: It's got to be fueled on the fire. Oh,
1: it is, yeah. man. It's, it's, that's the kind of stuff that keeps me going. Sure, absolutely. And people are like, I hate talking your ear off and telling you this story about my life. I was like, you don't understand that this, this is the kind of stuff I crave hearing about, man. So. Sure,
3: absolutely. I remember the first time I saw you guys play, it was at LJT a few years ago, and they were singing Back in Your Faces. I was just like, man, look how those kids are responding to this band. It was oh, yeah.
1: unbelievable. It's pretty wild, man. It's, uh, it's the stuff you don't think about when you start the band in your bedroom. I, like, wonder if I'm ever going to be able to play in front of people, wonder if these songs are ever going to mean something to anybody. Uh, so that's, it's nice to finally kind of be at that point where they do.
3: Yeah, I think it's really cool. Joining me on the Defining Audacity radio show, we're in Stephenville, Texas. Mr. B.J. Barnum, frontman for American Aquarium. You brought it up. Let's talk about your sobriety real quick. First of all, congratulations on that. Thanks. Today is three years. Today is the three-year anniversary? Today,
1: September 1st. Congratulations, is man. It's my three-year sobriety date. Uh, the last drink I had was August 31st, 2014 in Fort Worth, Texas at the, at the Magnolia Motor Lounge. Uh, I woke up the next day and Said no more. Said no more. That was three years ago
3: today. What happened on that night in Fort Worth that made you say no more?
1: Uh, it was what had happened the 15 years leading up to that night, right. and just drinking myself to death, doing stuff I shouldn't be doing, making mistakes, ruining relationships, ruining friendships. Just a culmination of terrible decisions, uh, and finally just saying, you know what? Like if anything, if if it's gonna get better, I got to stop this, and I stopped it. Just cold. And cold turkey. Cold turkey. I said, oh. I took one last shot of Jameson Irish whiskey in Fort Worth, and I said, "That's going to be my last shot." And all my friends laughed at me. And, uh, no kidding.
3: That was three years ago. Wow, that's yeah. awesome, man. That intrigues me. Tipping points intrigue me. Are you familiar with Malcolm Gladwell and his book Tipping Point? Yeah, yeah. So when I was, as I was prepping for this interview, you know, talking about that, but then also back talking about 2011, 2012, when the band really got, you guys got to that tipping point where people started to pay attention to what you guys were doing and all that was starting to pay off what makes those tipping points happen just keep grinding keep doing it it, it,
1: it, my dad used to always tell me that the people that work hard get lucky right i like that you know me and my dad were huge sports fanatics and every time somebody would hit a lucky shot he was like that guy probably practiced that crazy shot (laughs) a million times and it was just coming to the conclusion that like the harder you work for stuff, the luckier you're going to get. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I like that a lot. You, you define your own luck. You know, the harder you work, you put yourself your, you put yourself in those situations for those tipping points and for those lucky breaks. Um, you know, the guy who gets discovered playing the the shitty gig in a random town by the big talent scout, he wasn't there by accident. He was there because he worked hard just to get to that point. Right. You know, and then it finally paid for him. And so I'm definitely the of the of belief if you want something, you work hard for it, and those things come. They that it might take 10 years, but that wall will eventually fall down and lead you to the next step of what, whatever your journey is. Yeah, and uh, and I'm living proof that you know, if you start trying to write your own songs and, and play those songs in front of empty bars, it might take 12 years, like it did for me, but you can play in front of sold out shows every night, and it eventually happens for you. If hard work always pays off, like that's something my dad always taught me. Did you ever want to quit? Oh, yeah, plenty of times. Like, uh, every year I have a moment where I'm just like, what am I doing, like, really? But not not recently. You know, the early years it was hard because we were playing 300 shows a year and not making any money, playing in front of zero people. Uh, Every one of our family members, everybody that meant anything to us was telling us, like, you should quit, like, you guys aren't really good enough to do this. It's about just looking that kind of adversity in the face and being, like, stubborn. Like, I always tell people, it's like, it's one part talent, one part being stubborn and refusing to admit that you might not be good enough. You know cuz I don't I don't want to think about how many countless friends I have that were so talented that quit that if they'd have stayed around another year, another 2 years, another 3 years, could they have made that transition into like success? And it's 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 one of those things where I refuse to be that statistic. I refuse to be that guy that everybody says could BJ have made it. I'm stubborn. I'm competitive. And if somebody tells me no, the only thing I want is to prove them wrong. Right. That's all it is. And I've been that way my whole life. You know, and if somebody tells me I'm not good enough to do something, I was like, give me a year. I'll get better I'll show, at it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll come back. And I always tell people, I was like, there's people out there that look better than me. They write better songs and better than me. They sing better than me. Nobody's going to outwork me. That's the one thing that I have control over. I can't control my voice. I can't control my looks. <laughs> I control how much, I when I wake up every morning, how much of my effort goes toward what I'm passionate about and every single morning i get up and from the time my eyes open to the time to go to bed it's this is what i do and i'm and anybody who ever met me they they don't question whether i'm going to be successful it's when's that kid going to get a break yeah that's cool and it's
3: it's neat i wrote a quote down i don't know where i saw this but when i was reading your story it made me think of it i'd seen it before and it it is applicable to the situation right before you quit or throw in the towel remember why you started yeah you know, and I've been at that point too with this radio show. We've been going for two years and there's times where I'm like, I don't nobody's listening. Why am I doing what I'm doing? But I just keep going and keep going. I'm kinda of like you. Let's let's get better. I always let's, tell
1: people I'm not good at anything else. <laughs> They're like, Why don't you try something else? I'm I'm terrible at everything I've ever <laughs> tried doing, other than I'm a really <laughs> shitty bartender, really terrible server. You know, this is the only thing I've ever even found mild success in. So there's plenty of days where I woke up and asked myself, it's like nobody's paying attention, nobody's listening to these songs. Like I'm pouring my heart into it. I'm sending a thousand emails a day trying to book shows right. and nobody's responding. Like maybe it's not them, maybe it's me, maybe I'm not good enough. And it's but right it's always like right when I get ready to throw the towels, a break happens and I'm like, Okay, I'm you got I, I was this close to walking away and I'm pulled right back in, you know. Right. And and don't get me wrong, the last the big turning point for us was like 2012, right. 2013, uh, when Burn, Flicker, Die came out. That record. Uh, it's all been pretty cool since then. Every year, cooler steps happen, and shows get bigger, and shows get better, and the and the band gets better, and the songs get better. And but before, but 2005, 2012 was hard. I was homeless for three years. I lived in a storage unit in Raleigh, North Carolina. Saw that. Like everybody, all, all the young kids always ask me, "What do I got to do to make it?" And the only answer is, give up everything you love for ten years. And if you're not willing to do that, go work at a bank. Go right. go do something else. Damn! Get oh, out yeah. of the way of the people that are willing to give up everything they love uh, for ten years. And uh, I, a lot of people think that's a negative way to look at it. That's a realistic way to look at it. Because you know, if you're not willing to, I, I've lost countless relationships, went into financial ruin, opening credit card after credit card, trying to just keep this band afloat. Trying to, guys, I got another tank of gas. We're gonna put in the car. We're gonna we're gonna try it again. You know. And eventually, it pays off. Uh, I'm, I'm a true believer if you believe in yourself and you believe in the thing that you're doing, you believe in the product that you are delivering, the only person that stands your way is yourself. And if you're the one that can step up every morning and, and truly believe that what you have is a good product, it'll eventually take on. Absolutely. I truly believe that.
3: Absolutely. So. How's this story end? Where's this thing go for you guys? Where do you want it to go? You who write knows, the script. Who
1: knows, man. I, I, I'm so fortunate to wake up every morning and be able to do something I love doing. I, I think 95% of people can't say that. They live to work, you know, and I'm, 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 I don't have to wake up every morning and be, like, bound to a job. I get to wake up every morning and be creative and be artistic and and focus on what do I want to say today? Sure. Like, what, what do I have to say? Uh, and that's a good spot to be in. Uh, I guess the biggest thing is how does it end? I just want to... If it, if it never gets any better and I can just stay here, I'd be happy. As long as I don't backslide down into obscurity, you know, as long as there's folks in towns, I don't care if it's 10 people, as long as there's folks in every town I go to that care about my songs, I'll keep doing it.
3: They're digging what you're doing. Yeah, yeah
1: And uh, like I said, that's how I want it to end. I, want, I just
3: want to be able to play music for the rest of my life. We've been talking about this in my radio show quite a bit. How do you define success? And this is the definition I came up with. If you're doing what you love and you're able to provide for your family, yeah. put food on the table, you have a place to, you're not sleeping in a storage, storage crate, crate. Yeah. and you're being true to yourself, you're successful.
1: Would you yeah. agree with that? I think I, I've defined it very similar. It shows. I think success is waking up every morning doing something you love doing. Uh, if you got food in your belly, you got a roof on your head, and you're literally doing something you think is worthwhile, that's success. Sure, hands down. Because uh, there's plenty of people making six figures, driving fancy cars, in houses that they don't have enough family for that are miserable, right. that are slaves to their jobs, that wake up every day want, wanting to do something but not willing to take a chance to do it. They play it safe. And don't get me wrong, sometimes playing it safe gets you the mansion, it gets you the BMW, it gets you the lake house with a jet ski. But I wake up every morning, I don't have any of that shit, but I wake up every morning and I guarantee you that I'm happier than a lot of those folks are. Oh, yeah. You know, It's like I, me and my wife, we, we own a house, we eat meals every day, we have a little bit of extra money every year to go somewhere nice. That's success for me. I agree. Yeah. I agree.
3: Joining me on the Defining Audacity Radio Show, BJ Barm, frontman for American Aquarium. A couple more things I want to talk to you about. You got to do sound checking here in just a minute. The Great Forty Eight Tour. Yeah, dude, how kickass was that? that Let me. I've got was, the stats here. Let me just read them for my listeners. Fifty three shows in fifty nine days. Right. Yep. May seventh, you started in Charleston, West Virginia. You ended July seventh in Burlington, Vermont. Yep. You went to 24 national parks on that trip, and you got to play in Maine. I saw that was a big deal. You always wanted to play in Maine. always wanted to play in
1: Maine, yeah. (laughs) There you go. It was one of the only states I hadn't played. That's cool, man. Uh, Yeah, I played at least one show in all 48 states, all lower 48 states, and it was me and my wife and my dog, uh, 60 days on the road, uh, 28,000 miles uh, of driving across the country and and seeing it and playing songs for people every night. Uh, It was the most ambitious slash masochistic thing I've ever done in my entire life. Um, we would sleep two or three hours, get up, drive 10 hours to see, you know, Crater Lake National Park or Joshua Tree National Park or Sawara National Park or Mount Rainier. Uh, I just wanted to see the country. Um, I've traveled the country for 12 years, and I haven't really got to see it. I've seen the interstate. I've seen the gas stations. I've seen the, you know, the, the shitty fast food restaurants. I've seen the clubs. I've seen the hotels. I haven't got to see the country, and this tour was very much about experiencing the country. Was it awesome? It's amazing. Like People take for granted where we live. Um, I, I challenge anybody, go three states away from wherever you are in the country. The landscape completely changes. The people completely change. It's, it's unreal. It's like being on a different planet. I grew up at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains. Everything's green, pine trees, oak trees. When you drive through South Arizona, you might as well be on Mars as far as I'm concerned. It just, it's a lunar landscape. It looks completely different. So that's the, pretty, that's the coolest thing about it.
3: What was the coolest part of that trip? What's the thing that stood out to you? Being with my wife for 60 days and getting yeah, to experience cool. it with
1: her. Um, so much touring is me taking pictures and sending them to her and being like, hey, look what I got to see today. Having her with me was the coolest part about literally seeing everything she's ever wanted to see in the country. That's a cool thing.
3: And music took you there. That's what I think is cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. I got really lucky with that. You know, uh, I get, I, I'm very, very fortunate.
3: Would you do it again? We'll see.
1: We'll see. Uh, the grade forty-eight was a, a one-time thing. I think it's. Uh, I'll get back to all the states, maybe not in sixty days. Uh, it was ambitious, um, but I, but I got through it. I lived through it. Uh, again, it was people telling me I couldn't do it. I, I, yeah, I put my head down Watch and say, "Watch me." Yeah. This. Hell yeah.
3: <laughs> You need to follow BJ on Instagram because he, he documented it beautifully, and I think that's when I really started paying attention to you, man. You were taking pictures at all these national parks, and you were just living life I'm trying. while you were gigging.
1: I'm trying, man. It's, uh, you only get one of them, and I'm, I don't ever want to be 65, 70 and sitting on my, on, on my couch saying, I wish I'd have done this. Hell yeah. You know, I want to see it all.
3: Well, it's funny you say that. Let me. I am going to ask you the question to ask everybody that comes on the Defining Audacity Radio Show, and let me set it up. We inspire people to live on purpose. We want people to stop saying, "I'll do it tomorrow." We feel like it's naive and ignorant. We want people to put their goals, dreams, and aspirations in the spotlight. We use life lists or bucket lists to accomplish that goal. So, we ask everybody that comes on the Defining Audacity Radio Show this question: B.J. Barham, do you have a life list or a bucket list?
1: I'd say I consider them both the same thing, man. It's it's they are. You know, it's it's. It's a list of things you want to do, and uh, you know I, I think bucket list comes across like a negative thing. So do we. You know, it's it's one of those things where like you talk about bucket list, and it's like I want to do this before I die, and it's like yeah, I think that's the wrong way to focus on it. Um, you
3: know why? We agree. I agree. But you know why? Because everybody that? thinks we're going to live forever, so oh. they're like, I'll oh, we'll do it next summer. We'll do it next year. We'll, that, we'll just that, keep pushing it off.
1: That was the Great Forty Eight. You know, I've driven by the brown signs on the interstate that say National Park, eighty miles <laughs> this way, and I've never took them ever and i always say next time we'll, we'll leave an hour early and we'll stop at that and we never do right and this summer that 48 tour was the tour of taking every one of those brown signs everything we've ever wanted to see it was like oh it's a five-hour detour we're that's, taking a five-hour right. detour yeah. and going to see it and that's the thing is and i'm very fortunate like me and my wife we make list every year of what we want to see cool that year and we check it off and we don't want anything get in our way of it um I figured you had a list of some
3: kind. And yeah. we, say, we say life list instead of buck list, it is putting an emphasis on the life, not the death. And it's also about including the little things that you just say, the brown signs. The brown it signs, sounds, man. That's a great example of the little things.
1: The brown signs, you drive by and it says, something cool happened here 100 years ago. Stop and see it. And you, drive, <laughs> yeah. and you drive by, and you're like, one of these days, I'll see it. And this was a tour of doing it, man. And, uh, and that's... As long as I'm able, I, as, as, I'm going to keep doing stuff like that. I'm going cool. to keep trying to see as much. Because this country, we take it for granted. Like, everybody wants to talk about how great where, they are from, where they're from is. There's so much cool stuff from from coast to coast. Every single state has something really amazing in it, um, including Kansas and Nebraska. A lot of people don't think <laughs> there's anything cool to see in Kansas and Nebraska. There's still plenty of stuff cool to see in Kansas and Nebraska. So, uh it's just about going out there and finding it. Awesome. And if somebody tells you there's not anything cool to see in
3: a town, go find something cool to see in a town. Yeah, you can find it for sure. Is there anything else you want to do, not travel related, maybe music related, or something else you want to do with your wife? I just want to keep doing this. I
1: want to, as long as I can, wake up and make a living playing music. That's all. That's the
3: only thing I ask for. Any place you want to play that you've never played, a, a venue or? Rhyming
1: well, Auditorium in Nashville. There it is. The Mother Church. I'd love. I'd love to get i don't even care if i'm opening i just love to walk on that stage because the history has been there i've got i've been very fortunate to play uh most of the really great rooms in the country and uh i'd love to ramen auditorium is one that okay I, the day i do that one i'll tip my hat and check that one off there
3: right? you go mark it off i like yeah. it anything else anything else you want to do with your wife that you guys want to experience together maybe it's not a location maybe it's a
1: just you know we're gonna start a family here soon cool and, uh, that's the goal, and that's the next life step. So talk to me in a year and ask me where I there am. There you
3: go. Hey, a, kids are a game changer, man, in a great way. That's what I they hear. really That's are. what I hear. So that's awesome. BJ Barum, i front man for American Aquarium. I got one more question for him. I'll let you go. You're from North Carolina, and you're North Carolina proud. You got your North Carolina hat on. All day. But we love having you here in Texas, man. Oh, yeah.
1: Another nationalistic people. (laughs) (laughs) Texans are extremely nationalistic.
3: I feel like the Texas scene is very, very cool right now because it's so broad, and it's so eclectic. Um, You've got people like Cody Johnson making traditional country music. Um, You've got uh, American Aquarium melt in your face. You got yeah, Whiskey we, we're Myers. Not, we're not exactly
2: traditional country <laughs> no, music.
3: And, and I don't say Texas country music anymore. I say Texas music scene or Texas music because it is so broad. Well,
1: got, we're 60% Texan now. I got three Texans <laughs> in the know, band right? now. We're a majority. They,
3: they, they're the, they they're ruling the thing. Including Ben Hussey, a member of the Defining Audacity family. But I love what you guys do and I'm glad you guys are part of this scene.
1: Oh, for sure. I think this scene, a lot of people think the Texas scene or the red dirt scene is a regional thing. It's, it's a scene based up off of mindset. It's people who want to make honest music, stay true to themselves, not sell out, not sign to a label, make music on their own terms that relate to people, that write honest music that honest people can listen to. And that's what Texas music is for me. Texas music isn't about state lines. Texas music is about a mindset. I agree. Um, It's about writing good music, about standing behind hard work, doing it yourself, DIY. That's what this scene's about for me. Um, and don't get me wrong, there's going to be some purists that never consider us part of the scene because we ain't from Texas. And and I hate to tell them I'm probably more Texan than they are, you know. Uh, but it, but that's I think that's why we got accepted is because we, we were cut from the same cloth. I may have grew up 1,500 miles away, but, you know, it's like you put me here and I feel like I'm, I'm kind of at home.
3: Absolutely. I love it, man. Oh, hey, Kim, I love man. it. BJ, I had – high expectations for this interview going into it hopefully did, i didn't you, let you, you down did not yeah. disappoint man it's been awesome i thoroughly enjoyed it i love what you guys do and i'm, I'm coming back here tonight to see oh, you guys yeah. play so I,
1: again hope we don't let you down you won't you won't
3: vj <laughs> i front man for american aquarium highlighting the two-year anniversary of the defining audacity radio show we'll be right back
2: Prescriptions in the bathroom stall, redheaded women and alcohol. Said ain't so, said ain't last call. A whiskey on the rocks and Adderall, a whiskey on the rocks and Adderall. Instead of picking me up I wish my addictions didn't mean so much But we all can't be born with that kind of luck You try but you won't fix what's wrong with me Every night I'm my old worst head I'll find a way to quit when they bury me Cause I can't turn down With her sailor tattoos and her drawn out eyes Every now and then she still crosses my mind And by every now and then I mean most of the time By every now and then I mean all of the time Listening to the Defining Audacity Radio Show. Every week, we inspire people to live a bold, adventurous, and intentional life using life lists or bucket lists to accomplish that goal. We want you to live on purpose. Join us next week on the Defining Audacity Radio Show.